0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 92 of 2, 5, and 10. I am excited. This episode is going to be exploding all over you like a hot cocoa bomb. Benny, what up?
1: It's the new year. It's 2021, our first episode of the new year. Happy New Year, everybody. And it's also the first episode talking about a new hockey year. So, we're training camp open for the non playoff teams uh, from a uh, playing tournament this past fall. So, Hockey's officially back. The Rangers started posting some videos of their guys at pre-camp uh, weigh-in and exercising. So we're here, and we're finally here with some predictions for an actual season of hockey.
0: We are still holding out hope that in the next week or two it is going to kick off. It, it <laughs> looks like we're getting there, so very excited about that. Um One huge thing that we did not touch on at the end of last week, because I didn't know if it was too soon to bring up, but... Henrik Lundqvist heart condition, calling it a career.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, I mean, he didn't rule out a comeback, but there's pretty much no way a doctor is going to clear a team doctor is going to clear a guy who had open heart surgery to replace like three different valves to come back and play goaltender in the National Hockey League. So his career is basically over. Um, Open heart surgery. We still don't know when he's going to get it done. But at 38 years old, with that type of procedure being done, his career is effectively over. Uh, Speaking as a fan, first, it sucks that this wasn't found out before they bought him out. Because then he would have just never, quote, played or signed with another organization. Uh, And also, at least in a weird way, we never have to see him play in another uniform. He's always going to be a ranger. There's never going to be a clip of like Martin Brodor in a blues uniform with Hank. It's just going to be Rangers for his entire career. And I talked about this with you. There has, There's no way they're not going to sign him to a one-day contract and let him retire a Ranger.
0: Yeah, where well, there's a will away. I mean, for Rangers fans, even better, there's no extra heart wrench in the sense of he actually played for the Capitals. We'll just call it a PR stunt because it never happened. So, I mean, just one of those things of...
1: Yeah, you have to think he retires a Ranger, no? And it just sucks on a personal level with him. He, he knew his time in New York was over, and he was like, all right, I have one more shot to win a Stanley Cup before I call it quits. And he chose Washington, and then this pops up. So Hank's going to retire the greatest goaltender in Ranger history and one of the best goaltenders of this generation and did not have an opportunity to hoist a Stanley Cup, which really sucks.
0: Well, speak of Washington, we had a huge free agent sign because a whole lot of rumbling here in Boston this week. Chara O'Chara uh, went to his Instagram and told everyone that um, the Bruins were trying to be younger and he was not in the plan, so he is signing with the Washington Capitals. As to went back and forth, I believe Don Sweeney informed him he wanted him in a lesser role. He wanted to start transitioning towards the kids And Big Z being the man that he is, a man of confidence, still very confident in his game, and he's not ready to give that up yet, told him, thanks but no thanks, I I still want to play and I want to prove myself, and they went their separate ways. And what blew up in Boston was this, and it was kind of just humorous hearing it of... You have all the people complaining that Zidane O'Chara is too slow, he's too old, he sucks. Now he signed somewhere else, and I can't believe they let Zidane O'Chara sign (laughs) somewhere else for only $795,000. So uh, the tides are definitely going in different directions, depending on who you ask. Me, personally, I was never a huge Z guy. I did not like how he came in here, and he was granted the captaincy. I figure that is never given to anybody who just arrives I like that going to someone within the organization someone who has been here I thought that it should have been Patrice Bergeron then after the 2013 Stanley Cup loss where Bergeron battled all his injuries I thought that the team should have moved in a different direction then and I thought that uh the captaincy should have been given to Berge then, playing through a broken nose, a separated shoulder, a punctured lung, the whole nine, just a warrior. And that was always where I stood with it. I always thought Bergie deserved to see some people through Char's play. I mean, guys, let's face it. Zidane Char, even at age, I believe he's, what, 42 now?
1: 43? I think he's turning 43 during the season.
0: Okay, so he's turning 43. I could be wrong. No, but I know he's up there. I know he's already passed it, but... This guy, even at his age, is still a top 20 D guy in the league. He has enough reach, and he's smart enough with his reach to keep you outside, and he just plays his dot and forces them to the outside. Is he slow? Yes, he is slow. Can you get by him? Absolutely. But remember, it's not just getting by him. It's a 10-foot wingspan that comes with it. So it's like people, oh, just go wide on Chara. Yeah, well, you still have to make up that feet from the boards on the way in. So, so you got to be crafty.
1: Um, well, the thing about the captaincy stuff, Bergeron at that spot, when Chara was first signed. I don't think he was kind of
0: he was that not elevated the elevated position that he is now. But at that point in time, I mean, the the kid had an A his second year here. Yeah. Uh, like, if you were grooming a guy, it was him. And honestly, to me, I feel like Bergie gets gypped here in the sense of he's coming in 35. He will be the next captain of the Boston Bruins. There's not a discussion about this. But at 35, I feel like he got gypped of extra years of wearing the C. That's a personal opinion. Others may feel differently. That's fine. That's where I stand with it. Us well, my, losing Zedino. Is- is huge. Dude, that's a huge hole in the left side now between him and Tori Krug that we're expecting well, you, kids you, you to make up. You guys still have
1: John Moore, though.
0: Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean,
1: of course. John Moore solves everything. <laughs> the thing with Chara is, I mean, I know Bergeron's my favorite non-ranger. I've been saying that since you've met me in college. Like, he's an animal. But Chara's also battled through and played through injuries. Like, most famously, that broken jaw. Uh, in a the playoff run, He's the captain when they want to stay on the cup. Like, I don't think there's going to be a position where they would just remove the C from him to give it to Bergeron because they feel Bergeron should get a few more years with it. Uh, but looking at it overall, he, his time in Boston's over. Uh, there were some ups and, ups and downs. But, but who's the only other greatest free agent signing in Boston sports history? It has to be Big Poppy besides Char. Like, that signing changed an organization for 10-plus Years they want to cut with him. He was a captain, like taking away the Bergeron stuff and you know his decline from his peak, obviously, as he entered his 40s. Like an incredible free agent signing, and even still, like you said, big hole on the left side. I don't understand where Sweeney or what the disconnect was because even in a lesser role, he was going to play in a top four.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was still a top four defenseman for us, and
1: yeah, so it's like I don't know why he needed to go to Washington where there's eight other NHL level defenseman already on a roster that he's going to have to compete for time with is a better position than being a boss. And I wonder if it was just something that was said, like a respect thing.
0: I mean, and that could have been just because from last year, anytime Bruce Cassidy at the end of the season had a press conference, he always basically referenced the season coming up as to without Chara because he was not currently under contract. So that was just all of one of his things of no. Well, you know, Z is currently not with us. So on and so forth. And now, I mean, for me, this is one thing I am. I like or love, I guess, whichever way you say it. I love Charlie McAvoy's offensive prowess, but his defense is awful. And you yeah. have all these fucking people now who are saying, "Oh, you're gonna see Charlie McAvoy is gonna be a star now because he's not making up for Chara." Do you know how many two on ones last oh, year were? A lot no of shit. And that's the thing. It's like these fucking people don't understand it, and and that's what drives me crazy. Like there's a huge hole there. Charlie's gonna jump up. Say you put him with Jeremy Lozon. Jeremy Lozon jumps up and plays too. There's gonna be no one back there, and then like. <laughs> Dude, I'm I'm telling you right now, it, it was a mistake. And this is, like I said, coming from a guy who's not a Z guy, it's a mistake. And they're going to pay for it. Like, people still think that we're an automatic shoe in for the playoffs. We're in probably the hardest division in hockey.
1: Like, yeah. And you're dealing with the injuries to uh, yeah, Marshy and Pasta. Just
0: from the start. So it's like these people do not understand it. And then it's going to turn into the two Karaskators because you know what? Right now, Tuca is your best defenseman because he's the last line of defense. So it's like, oh, my God. Two it's weeks. Here, if
1: you're looking at your top four right now, I know McAvoy on a right side and so Carlo on a right side. McAvoy, is Carlo, Grizzlick. Is it going to be Grizzly on the first pair? Well, that's the other thing.
0: I do not know at all how they're going to break up these pairings. Like, I don't know how that's going to go. So we have McAvoy, Grizzlick, Carlo. Moore's under contract, Kevin Miller's under contract, Connor Clifton, Jeremy Lowe's on. And then if they think any of the kids are going to get a crack at it, we still have and we still have Zaboral, and we still have the oh. kid Jack Akan that came in from Minnesota State. So I mean, from St. Cloud. So uh, there are options there, but at the same time, it's like, guys, one of them to me too is one of them is going to be gone once the Seattle happens that's another thing that's yeah. coming up. So it's like, are you showcasing guys to put other guys in? Cause it, it's going to get real interesting here in Boston. That's all.
1: So I know we'll get into, so we're doing the Rangers and Bruins division preview next week, but as a little preview talking about the Bruins defense situation, what's the difference between the Rangers roster? I mean, obviously you guys have a little bit more proven depth up front, but if, you look at the Rangers up front, the Bruins up front, and then both teams top six, and then the goaltending situation. As long as Sturkens stays healthy, he's gonna be just fine. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between the two teams? They both have huge holes in the back end. They have a couple uh, stud top four right-hand shot defensemen. The Rangers at least have Lingren to match up a Grizzly, I guess, on that left side. Both teams have good quality top two lines and some. Yeah, maybe we'll see in the bottom six. What's the difference? You know at, what I at mean? At this point
0: this year, nothing. But, you, you know, yeah. you just have the other Bruins people who don't comprehend that. That's the
1: issue. <laughs> and that's the thing. The Rangers, every, I know, I mean, you go back and forth joking about Ottawa. The Rangers are younger than Ottawa. The Rangers are the youngest team in the league. And everybody's like, all right, well, they're ready to take the jump. But Ottawa needs to take a few more years. Why? And you look at the Rangers, even in their division, yeah, they have huge holes on the back end. And, but they have strong goaltending. Are they better than the Islanders? Are they better than the Devils? The Sabres? Yeah. And now they're competing for a playoff spot. And now how much better is Boston than the Rangers? A little a, bit? A, even? a little bit. Even. Yeah. It, it, it's close. So, I mean, talking about our division. Unless you got something else with uh No, no
0: that was just the, the signing. That's all.
1: Okay. Uh, Talking about a non-signing. So the Islanders, the open camp Today, I guess, or they're opening up tomorrow, and Barzell's holding out.
0: I mean, that, that's a killer for the Islanders. That's They're fucked. <laughs> the, like, I mean, that might be the one thing that gets us both into the playoffs. The Islanders never get Barzell. It's, and they're in a stranglehold, too. They, they are up against the cap. There's not enough room to currently put them in. And yet again, this is one of those things, that, at least with the NHL, that other teams know when you're struggling and when you need one. And hey, you want to unload Andrew Ladd on me, sure, but it's going to cost you a pick or a high-end prospect. And I think that's the other thing, too, at least with Lou Lamorello, where Lou kind of plays with the ball in his court. He's been that way forever. He's the older generation. He's the godfather of hockey. And I think he wants someone to take one on the chin for him, but I don't think it's happening here. I think he's going to have to dig himself out in a hurry and... We'll see who ends up getting dealt out of there.
1: Is this a Nylander situation?
0: No. I, I Barzell's way better than Nylander. No, but, I mean, um, like, you think
1: he, he'll just hold out?
0: I mean, he could, but the only problem is he could hold out. But Nylander in Toronto at least had the money
1: allocated for him. Yeah. The Islanders don't. I wonder, I mean... Tavares left one because of the money, but two, it was the Islanders were playing at Brooklyn and they were going back to Nassau Coliseum. Now they have the arena being built in Belmont, Queens. Like they, when they started construction on that, they were like, "Okay, our future is set. We won't have to lose a guy like Barzell because we have our arena, we have stability, we have Barry Trotz." What happens if Barzell wants to leave.
0: If Barzell like, wants to go, I mean, I know there's a couple of people that have you know presented themselves. Ooh, recently Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, Josh Bailey, uh, that JG Pajot, like he fucks, man. Like he he's a good player. But the surrounding cast around, like Cal Clutterbuck is still on the books for three and a half for the next two years. And granted, Clutterbuck earns his money. He he earns it the hard way. But like three and a half million for a fourth line guy
1: that that's steep. It doesn't work with Bars out. Like the entire structure of their team. Doesn't work if they don't have their franchise center. I mean, obviously that's no shit comment for basically any team in a league, but especially especially a team like the Islanders who don't have a lot of offense to spare. If Barzell, it's only a fifty-six game season. Let's say he holds out for a month and he misses fifteen to twenty games. Position this
0: year. I agree completely, and that's tough for them. That is that is a bad look, and. I know it was, you know, a compressed summer, but at the same time, just, we go strictly off ending dates. This has probably been the longest off season they've had. Like, I, I know it ended in September, but I mean, just off season wise, it was still another three whole months, even before camp and they still yeah. couldn't get it done. And d- don't get me wrong. I'm not naive to the whole COVID fact and guys are signing on PTOs and for a hell of a lot less money, but the fact that Lou never did anything to kind of clear out any space. And you can even say, okay, he moved Taves, but even then it's like he probably banked on Boychuck retiring so he could get the long-term IR cash out. But it's like that's all they did. Like,
1: that was it. Like, you couldn't move. Like, you're in this position now where even though Barzell is young, you have to make a run for it. We have Trotz and the team that you have. If you need to move guys off your cap and give up future draft picks, like you can't move a guy to Detroit and uh, package him with like a second rounder to get that cap it off. Like, I feel like they could have weaponized their future assets to keep Barzell in, in tow and kind of get this team going because, as you saw in a bubble, like they can compete with pretty much anybody if everybody's on the ice for them.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: So we'll see. I don't, I think he'll be, he'll join. Like, later on in camp, like, I think he's just trying to send a message of, like, we need to get this shit done. So we'll see what Lou does to clear out the space. Like, I can't imagine him holding out for the year. Because in NHL, you don't dock that time, basically. So he'd be back to square one. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned PTOs. We talked about it last week. This is another quick signing. Uh, oh, my God. He's, his name is Blankton. A former Islander defenseman. Travis Hamonic. You signed the PTO with yes. Vancouver.
0: Yes, I, I was actually going through the divisions today. I, I noticed that that Travis Hamonic signed there, and I mean, I like that move. I, I like that move. That bolsters Vancouver's back end. And basically, I don't want to say it's a trade because it's not, but basically, Hamonic went to Vancouver, and Tanov went to Calgary.
1: Yeah, and you put Hamonic on the third pair right side behind Schmidt and Myers. That's pretty good.
0: I've always liked Travis Hamlin, like, man. He plays hard. He plays hard minutes.
1: Um, and running through a couple other quick things. Uh, the Penguins announced today a six-year deal with very young defender, John Marino, 4.4, uh, 4, I think, million per. Mm-hmm. So we're basically talking about this deal as in two to three years, the Penguins trying to get out from underneath because they need to clear cap room and they're either buying them out or eating money to trade them off to somebody else. I don't get the rush to sign Marino to his six-year deal. I honestly
0: don't get it either. Um, only one season last year under his belt. 56 games, six goals, 20 assists for 26 points. I mean, he was a plus 17. I know how you feel about plus minus. <laughs> but, um, I mean, if it's any consolation, only 20 penalty minutes. So, I mean, doesn't get too many minors, which is good. But in the playoffs, I mean, only one assist and a minus one. So, I mean, granted. I know the playoffs were awkward and everything else this year, but this is a young kid, man. It, going into that whole lineup, that they already have those other guys. D- do you think this is just an insurance policy for Latang? Just if he gets hurt, you at least have another guy. But th- they signed him to big money quick.
1: Like it didn't even seem like there was a bridge deal or anything. They just kind of latched. No, no bridge on to him. deal. No arbitration. No nothing. It was just, hey, we're going to give him a six year deal.
0: I mean, you add him in there. I mean, if you look at the back end for him, I mean, you got Latang Matheson, Dumoulin, you got Peterson, I and mean, you got your boy Cody EC, so uh, he jumps in front <laughs> of him. You got that Trad Ruel. I like him, but it's like that's, that's a big jump. That's a very big jump from going on an entry level to four, basically four and a half a year.
1: Yeah, and. Even if Flaten gets hurt, he was still under contract. Like, you don't need to give him a six-year deal. And he's basically getting paid just slightly less than Tony D'Angelo. So, 4.4, if you're going to give a guy who has one year of experience a six-year deal, you would think you would get a better term for the AAV. Like, maybe, like, mid to the hot, low to mid-threes. Like, you're basically paying him market value for a bridge deal, but for six years. And if he just stays where he is now, you've seen that. Like, you look at... Dumoulin, you look at uh, Ali Mata, who had a good start to the career of Pittsburgh, and then they just kind of plateaued out to just decent top six guys. You want a decent top six guy for basically four and a half mil for six years? Like, I don't get to rush for it.
0: Well, I mean, the other part of it, too, is if this kid blossoms, you know how fucking pissed off he's going to be that he, he's only getting 4.4? Yeah, like, leaving money on the table, or maybe that's just what it is. Hey, you don't blame him for taking the money. <laughs> like, no. hey, you're offering me that,
1: I'm there. But especially in hockey, you never know when you're going to get hurt.
0: It's just weird, though, too, that Jim Rutherford, a guy who's always trying to wheel and deal and make his way to get that, like you know, he's always trying to deal at the deadline. Like he always wants the possibility of winning a Stanley Cup. You figure he would have waited just on cap space alone, but yeah, maybe there's a difference in the cards we don't know
1: about i don't know Um and one more quick thing before we get into our first set of division previews and predictions uh the capitals the devils and i forget the predators thing. the predators announced that they're taking the first three teams to take up the nhl's offer the one-time offer apparently because they're trying to help with the revenue loss during for the pandemic of putting an ad on the helmets for the players this year and luckily it's not going to look like the euro teams Uh, but i think once gary Bettman has always been against like ads on the uniforms and on helmets but i think once you open up a revenue source and if it proves successful he works for the owners the owners are going to go to him be like hey listen it's just a decal on a helmet and it's going to start opening that up and I was just curious your thoughts, because you know baseball started doing that, and a lot of Yankee fans and Red Sox fans, with the tradition of the uniforms, were upset about kind of defacing the uniform. If there was a helmet, look, let's say there was an Under Armour logo on a Bruins helmet, and. You're watching against games. Is that going to bother you too much? Or are you just like, if as long as it's limited, you don't give a shit.
0: Yeah, As long as it's limited. Like you said, as long as we're not looking like the Euro teams, I'm fine with <laughs> it. From what I've seen on the helmet so far, it's just on one side of the helmet. So the other side has the normal team decal. The other one's just the sticker. Um, even if they did one on the jersey, like uh, across the thing, just stitched on about the same size as the helmet decal, just because they look pretty... almost banner-like and when I say banner I'm not talking about hanging from the rafters I'm talking about just short long rectangular but they don't really stick out too much I don't think they alter your product completely like I'm okay with that if you want to bring in other revenue sources like that but if you get to the point of the euros where you know The New York Ranger symbol is no longer the New York Ranger symbol or the Chicago Blackhawk is no longer there or it's now altered due to it. That's when I have an issue. But as for what's on there right now, I have no problem with that.
1: Yeah, I never put an ad on a fucking jersey. That's still one line. Like you can put a logo, a business logo on a helmet, whatever. Do not touch the uniform. Uh, I I can deal with with subtle sweater means too much.
0: Hey, the the sweater should just be all about that logo on the front. They want to put an ad there to pay that salary, too? You put the ad there, pal. All
1: right. Well, now that we got those housekeeping items out of the way, we will officially begin 2021 Divisional Previews slash Predictions. Uh, I know you and I usually take different angles with this every year. So this week, we're going to be going over the Canadian Division and the Central Division. And I figured I'd let you kick it off where, where you think the divisions are going to go, who's going to finish in the top four and guarantee themselves a playoff spot. And, of course, if a coach is fired in each division this year, who's fired first? Who would it be? All
0: right. Um. Well, I guess we'll start up north. Uh, I went th- no particular – well, in for my central division, I went alphabetically. But mentally, for my uh, Canada division, I went from east to west. So I'm starting with Montreal. Um. <laughs> I really like their lineup, especially in a shortened season. A healthy Shea Weber and Carey Price. I like them bringing in Corey Perry to give them some bite. He has a winning pedigree. I know he's hungry after losing that Stanley Cup final. Uh, they need Jonathan Druran to give them more. He needs to get back to the Jonathan Druran of before. Tyler Toffoli needs to be that big free agent that he signed going there. Like He needs to perform for them. Brendan Gallagher has to play like Brendan Gallagher. I like their D, I like Weber, Petrie, I like Edmondson and Mete, I like those guys, and they still have, two, Ryan Poling and then the goalie, Caden Primo, so the, the future is still uh, burning bright up in the Rouge in Montreal.
1: <laughs> yeah, we talked about Montreal a little bit last, last <laughs> week, I think Montreal is putting themselves up, I don't think they have any franchise or elite level talent i think everybody in their top six is either solid or uh above average but when you're coming into a team and especially in a cap era you look at a lot of the most successful teams year in year out yeah you have a team like tampa yeah you had a team like chicago in a couple of cups with their but and taves and keith and all them but you set yourself up for more stability if you have multiple guys that can kind of rotate up and down a lineup and i think montreal has that this year the big thing for me is like we said last week, is Weber going to be healthy and is Anderson going to be healthy? Because if Anderson's healthy, I think he's going to be a big difference maker for them.
0: Yeah, he, he, he can play that heavy game, which changes their outlook a lot.
1: Uh, what, so staying in the Canadian division, what team do you think is either looking at a spot where people are overvaluing them and what team do you think is being undervalued?
0: I think overvalued is Toronto. Um, Don't get me wrong. I like the additions of Jumbo. I I like Wayne Simmons. I like Jimmy Vesey. I like Bogosian for the back end. I like them putting Robertson on his entry level. But for them, this is their year. Like, quote, unquote, like, this is the Toronto Maple Leafs year if anything's going to happen for them. They're finally away from the Bruins. Their D's good. Uh, They got Morgan Riley, Jake Muzzin. I think they overpaid for TJ Brody. They got Travis Dermott, who yep. I like. Uh, question mark? Will they or won't they trade Nylander? Islander? Like I think that's a huge cap hit for them, and they have to figure it out. And this is a dooley for me. If they get off to a slow start, and this was the coach that they waited for, that they kept in the AHL for Mike, you know, just in case the Babcock thing happened, and it did how big of a leash does Sheldon Keefe have in a shortened season where this is their window? Like, he could be gone rather quickly, and I think that'll be my first
1: coach fired. Interesting. Yeah. My thing would be, if a change is going to happen, because it is a shortened season, so you don't have as much time to evaluate, and you're a team like Toronto, you're not in the shadow of Boston, you're not in the shadow of Tampa Bay this year, and eventually if have to get over one of those teams. Most likely they get to the Cup. Mm-hmm. But, if you're having a slow start, You're you're, uh, Toronto. You're looking at Gerard Gallant, Spudrow, all sitting out there as possibilities of, hey, they've come in. They're veteran coaches. They get responses from the teams they've been in. Gallant taking a team to the cup. Do you make the move for one of those guys? If those two weren't available, I would think it would be harder to let go of a guy like Keith who they've been grooming. If you're 25 games in and you're at 500 or you're fifth or sixth in the division, I think you have to make that move.
0: I agree. I think you have to completely. And and not even the business part of it. I just think that, like you said, like this is their time. Like they have guys in there on one-year deals. Like everything is in their favor right now. So they need to... Strike while the iron's hot, as they say. So, like, they need to execute. They need to execute quickly. And if it's not Sheldon Keefe that's gone, will it be Kyle Dubas? I think it's one or the other. If they're, if they're off to a slow start, it's one or the other.
1: That would be hard. I mean, you have the cap issues that Toronto has, but Dubas has put together a pretty solid roster. I I think you can fault the roster construction outside of maybe finally finding, like, a right pair... Uh, right-hand side defenseman to go with Riley, and also putting all your eggs in that Frederick Anderson basket again.
0: Well, for the Dubis thing, I I agree. I I think the roster looks really good this year. But last year, would you say the same, and the year before that? No, I I think this is finally the roster that I don't know if he wanted to put together or if he just kind of fell into it with the signings that he got. So, like, this has to be the year. These guys have to mesh. These guys have to click, and it needs to work out for them or – it's like jobs are going to be lost
1: and do you so on the other side of it which team do you think in that division is being undervalued is it montreal because not too many people talking about them everybody's talking about toronto vancouver and calgary for the canadian division
0: i would say montreal in the sense of a team that's actually going to make the playoffs that's being undervalued i think that Another if you team. Ottawa, I'm gonna
1: smack it <laughs> n- well
0: uh, Ottawa is undervalued i I was gonna say Ottawa, and the other one I think is Winnipeg because mm. if they can get what Connor Hullibuck gave them last year, they're playoff
1: team again. they just have That's the one thing i will disagree with you on I think I think last year was probably probably a career year for him, and they barely scraped by I think if he has. Just an average to above average year. They are toast. Like they don't have enough. And I, I like the stats they move. They have a couple of talented guys up front, but I don't think any of them are elite all, as all-around guys. And their defense is just as poor.
0: Oh no! The, the I go. I go my backside here. Like Hella Bucks, their ride or die. Like that. That's all they have. Like they need more from their backside because they have hopes of some guys just finding their way, like Nail Pionk and Nathan Bayou. Oh. And, I mean, Bayou has gone there and played okay, but outside of that, he has just bounced around everywhere, and he just hasn't stuck. So it's like may- maybe no one else wants to play in Winnipeg because it's cold, so he lucked out there. But it's like they need Hellebuck to give them everything, or it's nothing. It's all or nothing there with Hellebuck.
1: You have a prediction for the order of standings for the Canadian division. I will just give you the playoff teams. Okay.
0: Uh, a no particular order here. I have Montreal. I have Calgary. I have Edmonton, and I have Vancouver. Wow, Toronto misses. I think that their back wow. end still has some serious work to do, and I, for whatever reason, I think they're over going into this. I, I think they're very happy on the lineup that they have but they're going to underplay Montreal in a team that they're going to play eight times this year. And I think Montreal and Ottawa are going to fuck them hard. And that's going to be their downfall.
1: All right. Well, my, I have the playoff teams, Montreal, Calgary, and in order, I'm going in order. Okay. Montreal, Calgary, Toronto, Vancouver, I have Edmonton uh, finishing in fifth, Winnipeg, sixth, and Ottawa seventh. And it's going to be close. For Winnipeg and Ottawa,
0: it, it almost makes you wonder if Ottawa should tank for another good draft pick. I gotta, <laughs> I, I gotta do my stats here.
1: I'll get back to you for my boys in red. So I have those four teams making it. When I'm for overvalue, I think Montreal is being undervalued for overvalue really quickly. I think Vancouver, just because of the run they had in a bubble, I do think they're talented. I think the loss to Foley is odd. You make the trade for them, you don't bring them back in. I do think Holtby still has a decent year or two in him. I know Demko's the future. Who knows what's going to happen there. They should um, win
0: the Jennings Trophy this year, the two of them, Holtby and Demko.
1: Yeah, and I know Myers has been a little underwhelming, uh, but you look at the overall depth. I love this Schmidt move, bringing him in on a back end. Absolutely. I just don't know if they have—they're close. I just don't know in this division alignment— with the forward depth they have. I don't know if they're as good as people think they are. They're good, but I don't think they're great.
0: See, like, even for Vancouver, like, even with the departures, I still like the team. It's If they stay injury-free, and that's a huge thing for every NHL team, um, I think they're able to make it a long run. I think they're built that way. Uh, one question is, have teams figured out Elias Petterson yet? Because if not, he's still going to take off. And then one huge jump.
1: And then Bo Horvath doing his Mark Messier impression.
0: Yeah, and I mean one other jump is can Quinn Hughes go from being an almost Calder winner to Norris Trophy caliber this year? I, I think that's a huge jump for him and a huge jump for that team if he goes in that direction.
1: Yeah, I just don't know if he's strong enough defensively. Like I think he's smart. I just don't know if he's a guy, if it's game seven of the Stanley Cup final, defensive zone draw, you want Quinn Hughes out there if you're vancouver the answer is yes (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if i if i need a defensive zone draw i need stop you put him out there for a puck possession you get him to skate it out but yeah um all right moving over to the central division kind of an odd divisional alignment you talk about the central and you have florida teams in here and then you have detroit so all right let's get into it man who do you think one undervalued two overvalued and then just some random thoughts you have well, I guess I have a
0: question for you, just like one random thing. I mean, is Columbus overvalued this year or undervalued? Like, I don't think they're undervalued anymore. Not not after what they did last year. They they still have the two-headed monster and that I really like the Max Domi edition here. But the only question is him going to another defense first coach, is he going to end up in his doghouse too? So Yeah. Are they going to be able to be as stingy as they were defensively last year, this year? And the biggest question I had for Columbus was, do their guys up front still have it? Because those guys now are all pushing over 30. And to me, it's like I feel like 30 in the NHL is one of those ages where some people can still get over it for a couple of years. Some guys can't. And it's like you have Cam Atkinson, you got Brandon Dubinsky, you got Nick Foligno.
1: I mean, Dubinsky's LTIR, he's done, basically.
0: Yeah, I know, it's just, like, one of those things that brings the average up. And it's, like, Riley Nash is there, he's not there, Miko Koivu. So, a, a lot of their guys who they're going to go to for offense are a little bit older. And it's, like, can they sustain that? I I don't know, That that's something to be seen. Yeah,
1: I mean, you're bringing in guys who would have helped your offense about five to six years ago and then hoping that they have one more good year in them. I don't think that's setting yourself up for success, really. And then you have the Nyquist injury where he's going to miss some time. So I think that hurts them. I think Seth Jones is a little overrated. I think he's a quality top-four guy. He's not the franchise guy. But I do think they're going to be as good defensively, like they're going to be one of the stingier teams. I just don't think they have – and we said this last year – I don't think they have enough offense – in this division alignment to get over that hump. I think they're like middle of the pack, um, especially in this division.
0: All right. Well, that was one of those things is like, well, what about the goaltending? I mean, that goaltending is, is pretty extreme. Do you think that's going to keep them in it again? Or do you think the two of them, one of them will be dealt? What do you think?
1: I think they'll keep both of them because, you know, at this point you might as well. I think they'll start the air. They'll ride the hot hand. I think they're gonna want to move I don't think see it's hard to move a goalie at the deadline because you don't really see a lot of number-one goalies moved at the deadline and then like make an impact I think the last one was Ryan Miller being moved uh, and that didn't really work out too well during the middle of the year so I think they're just gonna especially in the shortened year I keep saying that but I think they're gonna keep both guys right and then this coming off season is when they'll figure out, okay, which one do we move for a top six guy, up front, and then try and rebuild the offense that way. I think Kecia is going to have a big year. I think he's going to be a twenty goal score in a thirty six game year. Um, I just don't know if they have enough, uh, especially with the Nyquist injury. All right. Uh, my question mm-hmm. for you, and this is the division I was really looking forward to. Dallas doesn't have Sagan. Nope. But they bring back basically everybody else. Are they – I know they went to the cup final. I know they had a run. I know Hudobin uh, had one of those magical runs as a playoff goaltender. Are they a playoff team in this division?
0: I do not have them in the playoffs, no. I – they need to have what their young guys have contributed to them in – Can Gary Gary Oniff, Kiviranta, and Hintz continue what they did? Because at certain points, those three guys carried that team. They, They were better than Sagan. They were better than Ben. Like, that's a huge thing for them. And one other thing for me, I think for Dallas, it was a huge mistake letting Corey Perry leave. For what he signed for in Montreal, you could have had him in your lineup for the same price. And. I think he had a great effect on those kids, and I think those kids felt protected playing with him. I I don't think they're they going to be
1: banking players. on Dickinson. They're going to be banking on Ty Dillandra, how do you how do you say his last name mm-hmm. to take his stuff forward. I think it's just a lot of ifs. If I, if I agree. Forward, you know. If this guy steps up, I mean, they're going to be fine in the back end with Klingberg and and They're going to be solid in goal. Ben Bishop's going to play well, and then get hurt right before the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like that's just how it's going to be. I like bonus to coach. I just, again, they didn't barely had enough offense. Barely, with a healthy Sagan last year, and now he's going to be out for a significant amount of time. I also think I think they're on a bubble. I'm not 100% ruling them out, but I think they're a bubble team. And I think that's going to be kind of disappointing for fans of the Stars and also just like casual hockey fans. You see Dallas, and they go, "Oh well, yeah, they'll make the playoffs."
0: All right, one team I got here for you just question mark because you never know what's happening with this team Florida like like right. you have them in you have them out, like I'm so confused with this team because it seems like the last three four years on paper they're good enough to make it to the playoffs and then they don't and I know they were in the bubble last year but like do you think Coach Q could be one of the first people fired? They get a new GM there. Like, if this team doesn't perform, is Q safe? I don't know.
1: Um, I think he is safe just because he's a Hall of Fame coach. Like, that's a big PR move for that organization to bring a guy like him in. And I don't think he goes a year and a half later. But I agree. Like every year, they're like the Miami Marlins in baseball. Like, oh, this is this is the year. They have a lot of young guys. They're going to step up, and then it never happens. And I think I know who is a good forward. I know Ekblad, like, he's not the franchise guy I thought he would be, but the real problem is Roskin and Goal. I,
0: like, that was my question. It's like, is he good enough to get them to the to the playoffs? And is their D good enough to be shut down as long as they're offensive? Because, I mean, like their D provides them a lot of offense, but are they good enough to shut people down to get them to the next level? That I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. You look at the second pair. I mean, I love Schalman from his time with the Rangers, and huge mistake letting him go. But he's playing in your top four still, 18, 20 minutes a night. I don't think that's too great of a setup. Uh, I'm happy for them that they got rid of a Matheson contract, but I think they're also one of those bubble teams. They should be with the draft picks they've had, with the young guys they've had, but they lost that and off, They lost Hoffman. Like I don't, I like that they brought in Duclair. He's one trick pony though. Uh, they brought in a couple other guys who I liked in the offseason. I just don't know if it's going to be enough. They're competing for a playoff spot, but they should be doing more. Like they, You always feel like they leave you wanting more out of them as an organization.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. It's It's been like the last couple of years where they've seemed to be on that cusp and just have not been able to get there. And as an organization, that, that must be difficult. And the the other thing I had was, are there two... Other players that are more undervalued than Jonathan Huberto and Alexander Barkov? Like, I don't think so. Like, two incredible talents down there. Um, one other person I actually really liked, and it actually ended really awkward in Pittsburgh, is that addition of Patrick Hornquist. I like yeah. Horny, I think he's a really good player. Uh, he's a little meaty, Br- brings him some beef down that forward side. He's going to finish every check. I mean, back-to-back Stanley Cup winner when he was with the Penguins, and he contributed. It's not like he was just on a team. I I think he might be able to help them make that next step, but I still don't see him there, no.
1: So I think it gets to the point, I think, all on the same page with at least one of the teams that make the playoffs in this division with Tampa, I think, you know, you lose a guy like Kucherov for the year, and Samco steps in. Like, Basically almost as perfect of a team as you can get at this point in a salary cap error. I don't know if you want to go in order or are just going to give your playoff teams who you're for?
0: Uh, My four, I have for the Central Division playoff teams, I have Carolina, I have Nashville, I have Tampa, and I think Columbus gets in. I, I think they're able to shut it down and make it to the playoffs.
1: I have in order Tampa Bay, Carolina, Nashville and Detroit. talking no, about Detroit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Tampa Bay, Carolina, and Nashville and Florida. I have Florida a so four, I have Dallas five, Columbus six, Chicago, then Detroit.
0: Okay, so a, a little shake up there. Yeah, I mean, that was one of those divisions I was texting about earlier where I, I mean, that division could end up any which way. and it, it's a strange division, just the layout, but that is going to be a tough out no matter which way like whoever makes it out of that division those four teams will be beat up
1: yeah and i feel like the first two or three teams are like pretty easy to identify i think Nashville's is going to have a nice bounce back year even though i don't like hines uh, i think soros we'll see what he has he had a solid run to the end of last year we'll see he's a true number one i liked a couple of moves that they made Yeah, Uh, I like Holland and Drandlund. Those are huge pickups. And the Kunin move, again, I know Benino is like a locker room favorite, but, you know, you have Holla replace him and you bring in Kunin to play on a wing. I think that's nice. Uh, I think Forsberg is going to have a real big bounce back year this year. I think he's going to be finally healthy. He's going to kind of go back to maybe not the franchise guy he was looking like two years ago, two, three years ago, but I think he's going to be 30 goal, 30 assists, two way forward. And I think that's, Going to help them get over the hump and get back on track.
0: Agreed. I I think Philip Forsberg is one of the most underrated players in the National Hockey League. And I don't know if it's market or just size, but some of the things that guy does with the puck, like you just watch him and you're in awe, you're like, wow. Like he's really good
1: at hockey. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This one, I think, is fairly limited. This question the two two guys. Was Coach fired? Hmm.
0: See, I, I'm still sticking to Q. I think it'll be Q if they don't perform How important this season is, Laura, and how quick it is, and they know how good, how true gonna, I think, if he, if they're not ready. But who you got?
1: Uh, I'm going to go with, I mean, it's kind of Detroit and Chicago, right? Like, I don't think really are going anywhere. Bill isn't going anywhere. They just gave bonus an extension. So it's either Blashtel or Colleton. And I think Colleton's so young that he's been in a few judgments. I think it's Blashtel.
0: Uh, Blashell too, when he got hired, I always wondered about him just because, like, he came up through their team with Grand Rapids. I actually believe they want to call their cup there, and then he got called up a year or two after that. So he was already within their, uh, in their team in their organization. But now with Stevie Y there, does that make you wonder if he will keep him or won't keep him? Because I mean, there's no loyalty there with Stevie Y, and granted, we've already discussed there are some top-notch coaches on the market. And unfortunately for Blazschel, like I think he's a really good coach. He's done a lot with USA Hockey. I just think if Stevie Y is trying to go there and build something new that he is most definitely going to bring in a Gerard Galan or something like that. Like He has the ace of spades in his back pocket. Like Whatever he wants to throw, he's going to make it th- make it happen.
1: I mean, you're also competing against Seattle for the next coaching hire, and it sounds like Seattle is going to make their decision in you know, February March time frame, so we'll see. I think CBY has come out and said, like, you can't evaluate Blashfield based on just the talent that he's had to work with. Like, I think his win-loss record is almost like he gets a free pass on it. It's basically what Eisenman has been hinting at. So if that's the case, he's brought in a few veterans this offseason, Mark Stahl, a couple other guys. Is that enough? Are those enough additions for him to look at it and say – how much better should we be? I think the biggest addition is Gresham Goal. I think they finally have a capable goaltender. I don't know if he's not true number one, but he has what one more year left on his deal, so he is in position where I think way through this year or in this off season, decisions made. And I don't I don't see him as like a this is a guy who's going to turn it around and lead us out of the darkness of the Detroit hockey days. I think he's going to be somebody who he was a seat warmer. They. Stevie, starts making some moves? Some of the young guys start developing like Philip Sedina and then they bring in the next guy. So we'll say,
0: well, I mean, if you thought he was safe for a little bit, I mean, if you look at Colleton, look at the lineup he has now, just with all the injuries and who's out of the lineup. I mean, you, you can't blame him for that. Yeah. So it's like, I just, I think it's actually going to have to be a name in someone who has a legitimate lineup in front of him that just isn't performing. Cause for example, like. Just throwing it out there. I don't think it's going to happen. The Blackhawks come out firing Kane to Brinkett, Kubalik, or Kubalik, however the hell you say his last name, <laughs> picks it up where he did in the playoffs. And then you get Dylan Strom coming in. You got Nylander contributing. Like, So what if they come out, they take off, they have Taze on IR, Seabrooks on IR, Shaw, Shaw's on IR, three Ducks on IR. So it's like these other guys will be tied up. And if they come out firing, oh, you know, he's a great coach. But if he doesn't, then it's
1: ugly. Yeah. And it just signed Strom to an extension two years, 3 million per. So yeah, I think Holliton's a little bit better of a position just because there still is more talent in Chicago, even with the injuries than in Detroit. So.
0: All right. Well, now that we have figured out where we stand, do you have any uh, today in NHL history?
1: Uh, Yes. Just one Uh, December 31st. Well, not December 31st. It's january 3rd today but i'm not restricting myself to just the day we're recording i'm doing a week of to see if there's more interesting stuff so i'm going back to december 31st 1988 mario lemieux becomes the first player in nhl history to score five goals in five different ways in the same game Uh, he scores at even strength on a power play shorthanded on a penalty shot and into an empty net
0: Geez, I thought people who ordered, like, roast beef three ways were dirty. Never mind Mario scoring <laughs> one five ways. That's just, that's ridiculous. Who do you have for shout-outs? Uh, shout-outs this week. Um, I guess I, I'm going to shout-out my beautiful wife. We, we've had a great time home together over uh the holidays we're both heading back to work tomorrow and it, it's been nice so unfortunately we'll both be going back to work but outside of that uh it was just great spending time with her so i miss you already my love your birthday uh n- we did celebrate my birthday we went away so that was nice um yeah her birthday's coming up first of february so i'm already on to thinking well, what's next what are we going to think of <laughs> now so yeah you know it just rolls from the holidays right into her birthday then right into Valentine's Day, so you know as soon as somebody wants to sponsor this and uh you know pay a little bit we'll be we'll be happy as could be
1: well no you sorry about her, you get one or the other. you get either a birthday or a Valentine's day. you don't get both in two weeks. How about that?
0: I can't say anything i i got <laughs> I got the birthday right before Christmas, so you know it's it whatever she produces, I'm on the other end of all right, so we do do the birthday and the next holiday, just want to make sure you know. Um, anybody else?
1: I got nothing, buddy. Off to you. Uh, I'm actually going to give a shout-out to you because our discussion before the podcast of these hot chocolate bombs, that as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to be looking up to see if I can find them because they have to be better. The reason why we were talking about this is I had made myself a hot chocolate before we started recording, and it's the standard uh, powder that you get from the store. But these hot chocolate bombs sound like they should be better and more flavorful. So if I can find some around here... I will do that, and we'll let you know how it goes. And I also want to give a hockey shout-out. Just announced today, Jared Spurgeon, named captain of the Minnesota Wild, congrats to him. He's come a long way from where he was drafted to where he is now. So just want to give a shout-out to a hockey lifer who's battled all the way through.
0: Agreed. Big shout-out to Mr. Spurgeon. He's always been a big part of that team. Uh, He's one of those little engine that could. He does one for the little (laughs) guy, so I I like him. So next
1: week we got... uh, Division previews of the East Division with the Rangers and Bruins, and then the are they calling the West Division, Pacific Division, whatever the division with all California teams. And then we'll also give our season award picks for the Vesna, the heart the Calder Coach of the Year for Jack Adams. Uh, what am I missing here? And a Norse. the
0: Norris, the Norris, yep. Um, Well, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate we're going to call it the West or the Pacific because we know one of the teams coming out is definitely going to be either Colorado or St. Louis. So it should be called like the Central Extended Division. But, you know, who are we to say what is or what isn't? But everybody, thank you always for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this show. Just getting a quick little overview, uh, the Central and the Canadian divisions. we got a little bit more for you next week. Obviously, our boys, the Bruins and Rangers, are in next week's. So there will probably definitely be a little bit more detail uh, regarding two teams. I mean, just throwing that out <laughs> there. So if you're a blue and red fan or a black and gold fan, you might want to listen in and as always thank you guys so much for listening and uh, we hope that we're one of your bucket list items for this year so we'll catch y'all next week yeah yeah I hate that the only way I can say what I need to say is with a prayer I hope is getting through the clouds now you're forever young and I'm living I'm dying, all I'm doing is just trying to make you proud Yeah, life is like a first kiss You don't know how long it's gonna last All you get is what you get And it gets real,
1: really fast
0: I'ma love a little more, dream a little deeper Leave all the levers, keep all the keepers Find peace and mind in the time the good Lord gives